My name is Vivian Knebel. I have always been a seeker and a searcher. I'm passionate about studying the works of great poets and philosophers. They have helped me make sense of the world and their wisdom allows me to cope in flexible ways with the challenges that life throws my way. I have overcome many hurdles and achieved the peacefulness of a truly loved and appreciated life. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Life and Love. Welcome to my podcast, Lessons Learned About Life and Love. I hope to inspire my listeners with life lessons through positivity, hope, faith, and the philosophies of great minds. Here we open our minds in a way that brings us together to keep you inspired and to think. I'm your host, Vivian Knebel, joined by my two co-hosts and filmmakers, Larry Sands and Eric Kasloff. Welcome, going, Larry and everybody? Eric. Hi. Hi, everybody. This well, is going to be a great guest. Yes, I'm excited about our guest, a very important guest. Um, she, her name is Tara Fields. She's a licensed clinical social worker and former army officer and author of the book Tracer Patient. Tara sheds light on the critical issue in mental health in the military, sharing her personal story and those of others who have been failed by the system. <clears throat> From climbing suicide rates to toxic leadership, her book, Trace a Patient, exposes hard truths and sparks a call for action. She illustrates why more than ever it is important to raise awareness of mental health issues in the military. On this podcast, we want to join her in promoting mental health awareness and advocating for policy changes to create a better future for our military members and veterans. Welcome, Tara. Thank you for having me. You resigned your commission after 11 years to write this book, Tracer Patient, in order to enlighten and educate our politicians and society about mental health crisis and suicide epidemic in the military. Also, in this book, is a very personal account about you becoming the patient one evening. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so that probably, well, that's probably the second hardest part to, to this book was writing about my own um, psychiatric hospitalization. But at the time, um, I was a Kansas Army National Guard officer and clinician um, on what's called an M-Day status. So I worked at that time for two or three days out of the, of, of the month for the guard um, and recognizing that we needed, um, we needed more mental health assets and on full-time statuses. Um, as you can imagine with uh, death rates to suicide um, hitting all-time highs, why we're still in part-time statuses uh, from a mental health standpoint um, in the guard. And you know, there's, uh, there's issues too on the active side. Um, but at the time I was in the Kansas Guard, we had six suicides in six months. At the time of my hospitalization, uh, we had three suicide deaths in three weeks. And so my training time was spent um, 
the, the annual training is the two weeks that you spend in the summer uh, training. And uh, at that time, we had two deaths during that two week span. And that's how I spent my annual training was tending to families and, um, you know, the rollout to the, the members themselves and the leaders that were affected by this, uh, the deaths that we experienced. Um, and so leading up to my hospitalization, which happened uh, about 10 days after um, we had this two week training, many people have met me with, you know, was the work too hard is, is, is um, seeing these deaths occur is what, is that what's hard about um, what prompted or preempted this hospitalization? And absolutely not. The work is, is the work is not, is not difficult. The difficulty is tending to the patients and the service members in broken systems um, and breaking through the red tape and bureaucratic nonsense that prevents you as a clinician from truly treating these, these patients. And so um, when I landed in the hospital, it really, uh, and I, I write about all of this, um, the, the patient that, uh, that I was trying to attempt to uh, reach who was very high risk, had just got out of a 30-day uh, drug rehab uh, program. And the day that he, two days after he got out of this program, he experienced a, the second um, in that cluster of three happened to be his friend um, that committed suicide. This kid had just got out of a 30-day drug rehab who was already high risk was supposed to hang out with his buddy who was also in the guard. Um, he forgot that it was his birthday and um, he didn't hang out with him. His buddy succumbed to suicide that night. And when he learned of that, as you can already imagine a high risk person um, coming out of that sort of um, hospitalization stay and then um, learning of this just continued to implode. And um, what preempted when I say that, and that kid's name was Zach Schaefer. Um, when Zach Schaefer um, did not get the help that he needed um, and was only met with um, more just resistance from the command, things like, um, you know, Tara, he's a dirtbag. We're just trying to get him out. Um, all these things who and our commander had just lost two soldiers within the last two weeks. And these are the kind of attitudes that I was up against. Um, mm. I, I asked the commander that e the, the evening that I spent, that I, in the title of the chapter, it's the night I lost my shit, excuse my language for all the right reasons. Um, but that's the title of the chapter where I disclose all of these things and being met with just utter disregard for human life. Um, because, and, and, and they're not bad leaders. I think our leaders have just gotten so desensitized and quite frankly, are tired. Um, exhausted in 22 years at war and um, being met with more and more tasks and less and less personnel. Um, and so all of these things do I discuss? Come together. Yeah. yeah, it's a recipe yeah. for disaster. Mm -hmm. it, it is. But I'm so glad you're bringing attention to this <clears throat> because the military does not provide health care services. It does point members, though, to the, the of the military families to resources but not enough, right? You know, I, I, I think that there's a bunch of resources. Resources aren't the problem. We spend a lot of money um, for these programs. Um, but here again, it's really the systemic failures within the institution itself for getting these patrons to these resources. Um, uh -huh. And I, 
I can give you an example. Um, my So my husband currently um, is stationed here um, at Fort Riley. Um, Fort Riley is, you know, has two training brigades and about 11,000 soldiers. Um, and this is not unique to Fort Riley. I'm just giving this as an example um, because mm-hmm. I've done a lot geared around Fort Riley, um, being that I'm from Kansas and, uh, you know, family, my dad retired at Fort Riley. So Fort Riley's home for me. Um, and so, um, I use Fort Riley just kind of as an example, not to make people mm-hmm. look, bad, but, uh, there's just a lot of information that I'm, I'm privy to and understand, but Fort Riley at 11,000 soldiers, active duty service members, um, you know, they, they are doing some wonderful things at Fort Riley to try to bring on um, new other clinicians, other programs, all these things. But what we're recognizing, and it's not just, again, unique to Fort Riley, is that the active duty service members um, in many cases are not or refuse to go off post for services. Um, just, yeah. you know, if you need specialty. You know, yeah. yeah. You should- I can you understand know. that. You know what? Because I think also active duty personnel and <clears throat> veterans are too often reluctant because they're, uh, there's the stigma. Isn't it also a stigma? Uh, <clears throat> so they are deterred to, to uh, seek their mental health. And there's a stigma and a, a shame and that needs to change. You know, they, they're afraid also that might have a career impact if they come forward. And, uh, you know, we have to see this this is mental illness. It is just like physical illness. When we have a cancer, we address it. Yes. So people need to, there needs to be a change there. You know, they need to uh, rethink this. And this is such a tough uh, uh, thing to be in, you know, to uh, also for soldiers that are in combat, combat uh, when they return, you know, they are, they are, they, it hardens them, it changes them. Absolutely. You know, it, the, the people being there, it, it changes them, it hardens them, and it needs to be addressed. And uh, so I, I, get, I see that point, what you're just saying there. Uh, because uh, <clears throat> the stigma in the military is, is strongly grounded, you know, in the military culture and linked to a desire to handle problems on their own. Not yes. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you said a critical word there, and that's culture. Um, this culture has not uh, happened overnight, um, and these these issues are not going to be addressed overnight. We have to start getting at the culture of this hardened, battle-hardened soldier um, that can't or perceives that they can't go get help. Um, and when we do go get help, they, it can't be reflected in their evaluations. It can't lead in reprisal. It can't lead to all these negative impacts that it most definitely does. And I see it. Um, I mean, what I was not prepared for after writing this book, the book's only been out for two and a half, almost three months now, um, is the, the amount of media, um, and, and not just media, but I'm, I'm talking in terms of like individuals contacting me through social media, Facebook, you know, wherever saying, Hey, this is me. I was a soldier. Um, things like I was raped in 1977 on this installation. And mm-hmm. I, I, and battling suicide every day. Um, and I'm getting ready to buy your book. Thank you for speaking out. This has been a problem since, you know, 1977. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that your book has impact, these kinds of things. Um, and I, I was not at all prepared for, for the wrath that has come. But um, 
more than more than anything, I'm excited because this we have to start a movement, um, and and this isn't just military suicides. We, I mean, what's going on in our nation right now um, is yeah. is all uh, epidemic to being complacent and and throwing our hands up and say, oh, this is too big for me. That's as long as it doesn't affect them. Yes, you know, well, every person yeah. in America is affected by suicides in our veteran population because our veterans and our active duty and our members are who allows us to sleep safely at night. So absolutely, if you said it so well. Yes, you said it so well, Tara, uh, because that's why I think we owe these people our love and support. You know, they put their lives on the line for us. You know, and uh, and so I. Uh, I uh, I just think this is beautiful what you're doing here and you <clears throat> focus on trauma as a means of addressing the root cause of many behaviors, right? You spent several years working with victims and offenders of domestic violence and with children in those homes. It, one is affected, you know, it's like a domino effect. System. Yes, the uh, every everybody exists in many systems. We exist in family systems, marriage systems, um, you know, agency systems, organizational structures, every one of us are affecting everybody around us, whether you believe so or not. And if we're not allowed to afforded the opportunity to go get health care, mental health care, and it should, you're right, it should be no different than going to treat my ankle. And, yeah. you know, I often tell my patients because it, a lot of times I get referrals by word of mouth, but it, it's funny, you know, people are very loud about, oh, you know, I, I found a great um, anesthesiologist or, you know, I found yeah. a great, yeah. uh, you know, right. but about, hey, I go to mental health care, um, you know, and I'm and, proud of it. And, you know, depression hurts. Yes. It hurts. And uh, and I think this is just uh, just so important what you're doing here. You help people to get their lives back. You know, they get their lives back. They can go from merely surviving to thriving. And that is a beautiful thing. Tara, it is a different situation with me. But at 17 years of age, I tried to commit suicide. Of course, I was just a teenager and it has nothing to do with the military. But I know depression hurts. It needs to be addressed. And these people that put these these soldiers that put their lives on the line for us, they're the first, they should be our first concern. No, people, what I meant when I said before, oh, I'm not affected by it. Well, not directly, but we are affected. Of course, yeah. we are affected. You know, you provide patients with the tools to self-regulate their emotions and to cope with the life stressors until they get to it point where they no longer need the therapy and their anxieties, the depression, the OCD tendencies, marital difficulties, and many un other difficulties, you know, uh, mental difficulties. It is very, very sad. I know um, for a fact that uh, uh, it changes people to be in a war. Uh, my stepfather, for instance, I was born in the midst of the Second World War II in the epicenter of Berlin, Nazi Germany. And my stepfather returned after five years being uh, incarcerated in Siberia by the Russians. And it changed, changed him. It yes. made him hard. He was a different person. And so I, uh, I tell you, um, it, is, it is great that you, it's very noble 
that you help find meaning and purpose and uh, to help them find meaning and purpose and get their zest back in life, you know? Yes. Becoming and couples also? Yes, it's so important um, what you just said is, is that, um, that we get to them to thriving. Um, so many times people look at PTSD and I hate that they even classify this as a disorder because it's an adaptation. You know, they, just like what you were explaining with your stepfather is uh, he's not this hardened person, but war made him say that it's like, Hey, I have to harden myself to thrive in this world because of this event. That's survive. And yeah. it, you know, the, the hardest thing, and I tell all my patients this, the hardest thing with PTSD is readapting, is realizing that I'm not still at war. I'm still not in Nazi Germany. I'm not still, you know, in Afghanistan. Um, and these people here that are wanting to connect with me, my family, my loved ones, they're not a danger to me, you know, and yeah. nor yeah. I to myself. I have to learn how to readapt back to. Um, That's not easy. That's not easy. That that is uh, very hard. It needs people like you to help these people, but uh, these is psychological wounds. They're so hard. You know, they're so hard to to uh, to heal, and uh, it is just uh, it's just so important that people become aware of this. And uh, uh, you know what can we need to think. <clears throat> what they can, what what uh, our government can do better, you yes. know, what can our politicians need to do something? What can we do better here, you know? Because also in the in the marine, uh, from what I heard, the marine corps and also in the army, they have the most substance abuse. That correct? Yes, and mental health rates uh, among um, all vets, and I, I don't know the exact stats on um, between the different um, components, but uh, yes, I mean, this, this is the way that they start to cope, um, uh, you know, and in internalizing the thing, the hard realities that they're faced with. Um, and this is a, again, we're going back to adaptation. This is a, an ugly way um, that many people adapt. Um, is it the healthiest at, way to adapt? Possibly not, um, but in the time that that's what they use, and and it keeps them alive, it, it keeps them being able to function. Um, but engaging these soldiers when they're using and when and, and for them to show them that they're right and recognizing why they're Difficult. using and, and and engaging the environmental stressors differently. That's uh, and, and giving them hope that no, they're not crazy. No, they're not, you know, they're, they're oh, not. So that's so important. Yes. 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 To, to, because they already believe that, oh, that's, you know, I, I must be the one, you know, it, we need people like you, but the advice would be uh, is to, uh, <clears throat> that they, they would, they should know how to connect to services and find treatment. And it's important for the military to reduce the stigma by changing or vernacular to change the culture, right? Yes. Well, and the culture, um, the culture is one thing that, you know, I've even started trying to meet with some leaders that I, that I know personally, um, to, uh, to just start affecting the change wherever at whatever, um, you know, area of influence that they have, whether it's a hospital or a, a whole installation, or it's a, a company, or it's a platoon. Um, you know, I'm married to a, a senior major that is currently um, leading 
a brigade uh, size rear element, okay, 900 soldiers. He has a, the ability in his area of influence to start affecting the culture. And when everybody starts affecting the culture in a different way, oh my gosh, now we're moving the system along and we're changing the system. Now, there's many things at the policy level. Um, and I was just talking with um, senior leaders that I know again um, in talks, talking with them in terms of even at a two-star level, these things are above their level. Um, you know, we've got to, I'm taking these to policy writers because until the policy matches what we're doing down here, um, and that's why I resigned my commission as a captain, because I recognize it doesn't matter what Captain Major Lieutenant Colonel Fields would continue to do. If the policy continues as it is written, we will continue seeing the death actually continue to rise. Mm -hmm. You know, funneling billions of dollars at this problem, and we're not seeing the impacts in terms of death numbers decreasing. We have to get at the policy, period, point blank. And and I am going to be forcing that issue on Senate floor when I send 520 or 585 copies to every senator, governor, wow. and state house of representatives mm -hmm. out of my own damn pocket, wow. because they have to start listening. I am you so are committed. Absolutely. Good. Over all these dead bodies at the number at the rate of 4,200 over the last eight years, eight years mm -hmm. active service members. Okay. And if that's not bad enough, 60,000 veterans. Okay. Over the last 10 years have committed suicide. Mm -hmm. I'm done watching that happen. Yeah. Veterans have kept this, kept this nation uh, alive and, and well, um, and, and we're not right. Well. We are right. Yeah. We have principles as a nation, and if you don't think the enemy is sitting back watching that happen, okay, we are the weakest we've ever been, and we're allowing it to happen by the culture of complacency in our politicians, and I'm, I refuse to watch that continue. That's well said, Tara, well said. <clears throat> but, you know, it is important for the military now to reduce the stigma by changing our vernacular. I said that, you know, to change, we need to change the culture and improve access to care. You know, yes. we need to do that. And in a tiny stigma-free access to mental care, that is crucial, you yes. know? So yeah. so I I think that is uh, just, just keep up the good work, Tara, well, I can tell you. We, I will we tell will... Yeah, I, I was just gonna highlight this. I will tell you that, um, you know, it's not good enough to sit here and complain and, 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 and scream at the top of my lungs, but actually sitting down with leaders. And I have started doing that where they can start trusting. I'm not here to make us look bad. Right. Absolutely not. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to make us look bad. I'm here to help correct us. Um, period. And I'm working with these leaders to what your point is, is access to care. Um, Fort Riley. My husband's getting ready to, to leave Fort Riley. My mom was the head nurse of eight clinics out at Fort Riley. I know many, 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 many committed hospital. And I've started engaging those leadership um, about how to improve access to care. When we're sitting at 35% staffing in our hospital and these soldiers can't get care on post, waiting for upwards of four months and, and vis like visibly seeing text messages from families of fallen soldiers saying that they are looking for to go off post but can't get an appointment because um, TRICARE won't authorize it because why? 
a, a darn regulation. So no, we're not doing that anymore and watching these sons and daughters die needlessly because there are providers out there able and willing to treat these members. And it, we can't be here. We, we ask these soldiers to go to war and, and be trained and equipped, but we can't equip them by allowing them to go off post to get, to get the mental health care or the health care. Mm -hmm. uh -uh, that has got to no. stop it. Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. But we will accomplish this by facilitating behavior health services for soldiers and family members who need them. You know, referral process for service members seeking mental health evaluation and allowing them to seek help. That is so important. These are, like I said, these are they're human beings and also so important for in all our lives. Uh, protecting us you know i have tara i have the most beautiful uh, experience with americans it's funny i grew up in the war in the ravaged city of berlin and uh, at nine in 1948 berlin was surrounded and we had we would have starved and the americans they launched a year-long airlift and dropped supplies on our city and I, re I remember I was about five years old. I remember sitting on soldiers' laps and they're giving me candy. And I thought the world of American soldiers. And I always thought, gosh, these people are, to this day, these are brave and open-hearted people and they deserve the best. You know, we need, we need to uh, support that. Don't you think, Larry and Eric, you, you, you always talk about the um, uh, thanking our troops um, Eric always ends our show thanking our troops for all they do. You know, yeah, very so. much so. It's because of them, like you said, we're able to do all the things that we love to do. So right. that's why, you know, and we don't just say that, you know, support our troops because it's a nice thing to say. We say it because we mean it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Not just empty words. Uh, but I hope this sheds light, more light, uh, and people take this to heart, and uh, uh, there will be a change. It's a noble thing that you're doing, uh, Tara. We appreciate you for it, and uh, always, all I can say is I, uh, I admire what you do. Wow. Well, Vivian, I can say to just as you were sharing that story, I got I found myself getting very choked up because. There are so many wonderful, phenomenal people that join the military. Um, and I would contend so many of our leaders um, and, and every service member goes in with this, this heart of, I want to serve something bigger than myself. Um, and, you know, we cannot continue to betray these exactly. great people exactly. that, that need need these policy changes and it's not a bad thing to own this and and say as, as a government thank you for highlighting this i'm so sick and tired of um whistleblowers being ran out of town maimed you know death threats whatever it is just own it you know and and when we own and validate our errors and our failures and, and we put it on front street it's amazing what that does to validate the people that have been harmed and wronged that yes. will provide healing among so many yes. people. I totally understand that. I totally understand that. Uh, Tara, your actions matter. They make a dent in the universe. Believe me, you have to start somewhere. And the more 
you uh, you uh, cry out, you know, and shake people uh, to come to this awareness. Because always remember, these people, they are here to protect us. What are we doing for them? You know, yeah. what are yes. we doing for them? So uh, let's let's uh, change our mindset here and say, in this country is such a beautiful country. I became an American citizen. I became real emotional. And uh, I think the world of this country, but I think that we need to also uh, pay our dues, do our part, yes. you know, not what, what, what can I get here? Yeah, this is a country of great possibilities of, you know, it enabled me to have a beautiful life. I'm forever grateful for that. But what can I do to give back? How can I yeah. be supportive? Yes. You know, ask every single American, every single person living in this country should ask themselves that. And, and uh, act your action matters. Yeah. It matters. Tara, I, I have a question and I have, the, I, so we, I know you, we didn't mention this in our, our little intro email that we sent out to you, but do you happen to have a copy of your book with you? I do. Yep. Okay. And, okay. and Vivian, and we didn't even talk about this because it just, it, it comes to mind because we do this on our other, on our other podcast, Tracer Patient is your, is your book. And what I'd like to do is is have you read just a little excerpt uh, from your book if you can because I think I think it's worthwhile um, to to open up people to to a little bit of flavor about your book um, and while you're doing that let me ask you um, in your book do you you oh you obviously talk about your story but do you tell other people's stories um, I Yes. So there, um, just, a, a, I guess a little bit about the overlay or, you know, how the book kind of goes, mm -hmm. uh, the first 15 chapters, uh, really goes into the heart of the problem. Um, I, I talk about my hospitalization, uh, and I really approach the book like I do with my patient. Um, first it's about building a relationship of, uh, rapport and trust period. You can, I cannot get anywhere with my patients, um, um without having trust and rapport period. So yeah. by sharing my story up front, if I'm willing to share my worst day that ended up on the front page of the Topeka Capital Journal when I wrapped a cord around my neck as a clinician, okay, that's very vulnerable. I mean, period. To, to put myself out there, and this was five years ago, and I'm still a practicing clinician, if I'm willing to be vulnerable, and that's very vulnerable, okay? Um, courage. I, it's courage. That, you showed courage. Uh, and when you model that sort of, hey, I'm willing to share with you in hopes that you don't judge me, now you're willing to share yours because you realize I'm not here to judge you. Right. Because it, vulnerability connects, it builds bridges. Yes. And we all hurt the same. Uh, Eric said that once so beautifully too. We all have the same. We live in the world of our feelings. And I also think it's so important that these that we let these people know that suffer, you know, under uh, mental, they have mental problems now to let them know, hey, you know, you are important. You offer something beautiful to the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that you have to wake them up and say, hey, I, you know, let them know, you know, let them know how valuable they are for us. I think that is also very important yes. you know, to let them know. And back to, uh, was that Eric's question? Oh, Larry. 
Yeah. Oh, Larry. Yeah. Larry um is uh, then after I go through you know the problem I talk about kind of my hospitalization I start talking about some of the systemic barriers that that I was seeing talk about some of the other people's I, I call them vignettes um, that provide a, kind of a, a clearer picture of the problem um, I go into the heart of the book um, are two service members that don't belong in book one or book two they've succumbed to suicide and so um, I go into in some case like one of the soldiers, uh, actually a sailor who left three suicide notes a week before he committed suicide. And I transcribed three of them um, for the reader to really understand what that kid was facing. Um, and his parents are phenomenal Americans. Uh, they've been on Capitol Hill the last three years and finally um, got what's called the Brandon Act passed. Uh, Brandon Caserta is, uh, is um, the sailor that I highlight. Um, and I, I did get a chance to meet the Casertas back in 2019, very early in this mission. Um, and they allow me to publish these things so that more wow. people don't as a result. Um, and then the other kid that I highlight was Zach Schaefer, the kid in the Kansas National Guard, um, who his parents have given me full authorization to disclose all these things to, not to make Kansas look bad, um, but to bring change. It, it's time our egos aside and start addressing the things that we continue to sweep under the rug, that we continue to, to trip over the same tripwire because right. we're not critical lessons because we're more worried about liability ability period and that's got that nonsense has got to stop that culture is not just happening in our military it's happening throughout our land you can't speak out against this because you're maimed or and and, the, and i talk about this too in the book the the divisive culture of our our nation has got to stop whether it's yeah, male yeah. Female, black, white democrat republican i don't give a crap care about navy army it doesn't freaking matter we're all american and it's time we start uniting yeah. um, exactly and there's strengths in unity, and uh, <clears throat> and you, uh, we need people like you. People like you are the ones that are important that get this thing going, you know. And there is strength in unity. I pray for unity all the time. You know, our country is so, this beautiful country, uh, so divided, and we are a strong nation. And yet, we we would be so much stronger if we if we stick together. You know. Let's put our heads together, you know, and, and stop this division. But uh, yes, uh, Tara, read us a little bit about your one little uh, uh, chapter on your, of your. Okay, well, so, uh, and then the, so this, this comes out of the very later um, sections of the book. So after I highlight uh, the two service members um, and I go into depth about their deaths, I, I say, if the book just stops here, I'd be a, I'm going to use this very colorful language, a bitch and a complainer. Okay. Uh -huh. I'm here to complain. I'm here. We have to move forward. And, and so the whole second part of the book are the policy changes, the, the change in uh, culture and where we have to go from here. Um, and uh, I, after I've now built this rapport, I've, I've highlighted the problem. Um, I've given you guys a lot of vignettes. Then um, I, I kind of go very direct to our leadership. Um, and so the excerpt that I'm going to read from you or to you guys, it comes out of the chapter that did not have to be. Um, and uh, this is really geared at our leaders in Kansas. Um, but again, it's not just Kansas. This, uh, if, if, if we just stoke pipe and say, oh, gosh, it's just happening in Kansas. We've lost the boat. 
Um, but um, I, I highlight all the, the conversations that I had um, elevating concerns to the FBI, um, to our governor's office. Um, I even provide the reader with uh, an email to our governor that went unresponded to. And so after um, highlighting this for the reader, I say, there would be no response to this email. I was not surprised. Quote, governors trust that when they call upon their Army National Guard in times of crisis, their soldiers and leaders will answer the call to duty with courage, conviction, and competence. General Ham said this in 2020. The same should be said in reverse. When soldiers call on their governor in times of crisis, their governor should answer the call to duty with courage, conviction, and competence. But failures on the part of the governor to answer her emails and heed warning regarding the operational corruption of her state's Army National Guard call me to question her competence. There is no trust in our state leadership, and it starts with the governor and her chief of staff. It is time that they are held accountable. That's yeah. ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. and I, I share your frustration. And <laughs> <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever we can do to help further your cause, to get your, your message out, you have to let us know. Tara, that's, that's what we're here for. I appreciate that. Um, I will tell you the, the, the biggest piece right now that I'm up against, um, and I'm quite surprised. I will tell you, and I, again, I'm providing total transparency here. We call this vulnerability. This book did not go through a legal review, and it would have never passed one. Um, period. Uh, and the minute that I submitted it for publication, I sent it to my lawyer and I said, now get ready. I'm quite frankly surprised that at this point I have had no backlash. And I hope that that is a sign of things to come mm -hmm. because I think we're at a place right now that Americans, I mean, a loaf of bread is six freaking dollars. Um, a, a thing, a gallon of milk is eight bucks a gallon. I mean, like these things aren't just, we're not just talking about military death to suicide. We're not. These things start because we've allowed everything that's happening to happen. These politicians, they work for us. And I'm not a politician. Um, I am a speaker of truth. I'm a lover of people. And it's time that we get back to the basics, the basics, ten basic tenets of taking care of people, period. You know, the golden Humanity. kindergarten. It's not that freaking hard. It really isn't. We're not that far off. And I don't know how many times I say this in a day with my patients. You're not that far off. We're just one off. We just got to make some adjustments. And it, we're what's standing in the way of us thriving. Every one of us. We are the cure. Or, or we're, what did I say in the book? We're the, the cause of our ailments and the cure. Oh. Everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. Exist in all of these systems. And so this book, if I can just share with you, serves as a mirror. Am I doing and ex exuding some of the things that Tara talks about in here is toxic? Maybe I need to correct myself. Maybe I need to go back and police some things up and have a conversation with somebody that I, I might have, you know, used some wrong language or I felt guilty. You need to start doing that. Okay. Um, and when we can all get back to the basics of being good people and taking care and being kind, um, gentle, loving, oh my gosh, America will be a, would be a much better, it would be a better world. But oh uh, <clears throat> that's exactly it. Uh, uh, Tara, you're very open, you're transparent, and you're very real. And you yes. get to the heart of people and what you're doing something for humanity. 
And I think this is, we all should uh, try to live more from our highest self, you know, yes. move forward in a way that is meaningful, but be also concerned about others. Yes. And that's yes. what you are. And I appreciate that. And uh, let us just uh, um, hope for your success that you get through this, you know, get, get more attention to people and people will act upon it. And let's be good to our soldiers, you know, yes. to the to people that are, <laughs> it's like somebody is trying to do something good for you and you slap them back in the face. Right. You know, that's what we're doing, you know. So uh, we throw them to the wolves, you know, you can't do that. We, we need to uh, practice humanity and, and be kind and loving to one another. And this is what, what this is the meaning of life, you know. Mm -hmm. so we're well, not on the right track right now. Well, and I hope, um, you know, with, with your listeners, if there's anybody that has funds or time, um, you know, part of where I'm at now is, um, uh, you know, sending $20,000 worth of books to every one of our uh, senior politicians, okay? And I'm talking senators, governors, sending House Representatives members um, at the national level. Um, and so if you uh, have funds sitting here and you say, you know what, I want to take care of uh, my delegation in New Hampshire, you know, um, I can, uh, I, my, my information um, is accessible on my website, um, www.t4therapy.org. Um, I also have information for my GoFundMe page. Um, I need help in that realm. I mean, this has been a very extensive and exhaustive uh, financially process. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it, this is called true selfless service. Yeah. Um, yes, it's I, a cause. I, you, you have your cause and it's a very meaningful cause. Yeah, this isn't, I'm not trying to pocket money on books. Actually, I've given away way more books than I think I've sold. I won't know for a I while. I totally but. can see that. Yeah, I can totally see that. You are uh, there for, another, for the others. You, you, it's a beautiful service you provide. Uh, it's a very meaningful, beautiful service. And I wish you great success <clears throat> that you get to you come through with this. And people will... But the more you put it out there, the more people will, you know, yes. it'll come yes. to people's attention. That's what we're doing here on this yes. podcast, right, Terry? Yes. yes. Well, thank you so much, Tara, for sharing this with us and uh, and uh, bringing this to the attention of people. And it's such an important uh, uh, issue here. And uh, um, let's hope that this will fall on fertile soil. Well, and podcast. Vivian, thank you for sharing your story. I will have that forever etched in my head, um, uh, you know, of you bouncing on a, a U.S. service member's lap yeah. at five, you know. Don't forget that and we'll always be grateful. These are moments, you know, uh, people have done, they've, I mean, the soldiers have done immense, so much good for, for, uh, for me and for the, for the people. And I will forever be grateful you know and that is uh, it, it can never be erased it's, it's a beautiful beautiful thing and uh, I uh, I just have greatest respect for the the people that put their lives on on the line for us we need to be there for them and well they and deserve our love and support you know one thing that has been just utterly sad for me to hear um, and I hear this day in day out um, is our service members are starting to say things like I regret serving there's something sad, yeah. culture if, if yeah. and I 
every day. It, even the worst days, I miss putting that uniform on and, and serving alongside my brothers and sisters. But I tell them my service looks very different. I'm serving you every day without the uniform, but yes. I wear the uniform in a very different way. Um, a different you, way, but very important. I, very important. I told the two-star general here at Fort Riley a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, I was wearing my big red one pin and uh, he looked and he, he realized like, okay, that you've once served. And of course my, my photos on the back of the book, um, my DA photo, but um, I said, don't let that mistake, uh, don't let this uniform mistake you, sir. I was wearing like some polka dot, you know, whatever outfit. And I said, I still serve, but I'm serving in a way and I can speak out in ways that even you with two stars on your chest couldn't. Can't. Yeah. That's why I took the uniform off. Um, and so I'm hoping that they start realizing that I'm not here to make them look bad. I'm here to help them. I'm not here to yell and scream and, and make them look bad in media articles. And no, I'm here to bring meaningful, everlasting change so we don't have this stuff continue. It's a powerful message that you that you uh, um, uh, that you bring through here. Uh, we thank you for it, Tara, and I so appreciate having you on the show and I'm sure Larry and Eric as well. Oh, and uh, absolutely. Very, as very we come much. to an end, don't leave, right? Uh, Larry, right. you wanted Tara to stay, but uh, uh, thank you so much. This was a great uh, way to uh, bring awareness. Thank you. Thank you so much again. Tara, we just want to thank you so much again for coming on the show today. And like we say each and every week on all of our podcasts, and it's especially important now, remember everybody, support our troops.